It's the January 4th, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals World Report. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I am Nathan Callahan. And I am Mike Kaspar. And, as always, an original work of authorship protected under U.S. copyright law, (laughs) Mahler, the fake news dog. (laughs) Uh, Mahler, how does that feel to be protected? Coming up. Louis C.K. Woke. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Saudi child soldiers. <laughs> yeah, mother. That's too bad. The Chinese moon and more. Mm-hmm. But first, mm-hmm. do you have any New Year's resolutions, Mike? As a matter of fact, I have two, I think, really important resolutions. Okay. One is I intend to drink more tea. And thank you, Nathan right. Callahan. We were talking before the show about this, and it really, truly was a resolution for me. And the second is... I resolve to tell everyone I know and everyone I meet to stop voting for people who have vowed to destroy the government in which they've been put in charge of. Yeah. Those are my two resolutions for the year. Well, I've got some for you. Okay, let's go. (laughs) And for our listeners, number one, hold on to your cell phone. Don't, don't, buy don't, a, don't buy a new cell phone. Right. Hold on to it at least for two years. Most of us hold on to cells for only two years. But producing a smartphone releases the equivalent of 178 pounds of carbon dioxide. Really? About as much as running a refrigerator for a year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The global carbon footprint of smartphones is projected to increase by 730% this decade. So hang on to your cell phone, number one. Also, buy less clothing. You say, oh, why, Nathan? Well, you ought to use your old clothes. The amount of textile waste in the U.S. increased by more than 800% from 1960 to 2015. Population grew by about 78% during that period. We're making cheaper clothes. They right. don't last as long. Right. Just hold on to your old clothes and try and buy better clothes when you're buying them. So they do last long. Yeah. yeah. And don't be such a fashion queen all the time. You don't need the latest if you want to make the earth last longer. One of the reasons that that's happened is that what they call, and you alluded to it, they call it fast fashion. Yeah. So every, Ooh, all, all yeah, so Basie's and the Gap and all the, they have new stuff all the time. It used to be you got seasonal clothing. You got spring and winter and yeah. summer clothing. Now you get every two weeks, there's a whole new thing that you are two being weeks. enticed into buying. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sort of exaggerating, but I not much. I wear my underwear for that amount of time. So, <laughs> so it's fast fashion. It's happening not just in the U.S. It's happening all over the world. And you're absolutely right. The environmental impacts are devastating. Yeah. Creating all that fabric has a significant environmental impact, including on the climate. Yes, it does. So hold on to your cell phone, buy less clothes. These are pretty easy things. And reduce your food waste. Globally, we throw out about a third of the food we buy. So if food waste were to be its own country, it would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the U.S. (laughs) Think about that. That is That's crazy phenomenal. Stuff. Once again, eat less meat is part of your diet. Eat less raw. Oh, absolutely. Beef. Eat, eat less beef, especially. Yeah. Especially That's, beef. That's the real culprit. Because that is causing methane to escape into the atmosphere, the likes of which we have never known. Yeah, Mahler. Yeah, just calm down and enjoy the ride, Mahler. <laughs> a solar farm in Spain offers a glimpse of things to come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don Rodrigo is the name of the solar farm. 
That's it's, not the guy who owns it. <laughs> or, you know. Or it's not the vineyard next to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's no, what I was the, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried the Don Rodrigo? Don Rodrigo. Yeah. It's solar-kissed <laughs> wine. Don Rodrigo, a solar farm site in Spain, was developed by a German veteran of the solar industry using largely Chinese tech. It will be owned by a huge institutional investor, yeah. and the power will be sold to a traditional energy company. So we're talking about mixing and matching yeah. different sources. It's right. not just right. one right. institution like PG&E. It's the first fully unsubsidized project in Europe. It uses half a million solar panels and a smart plant with Huawei technology. That's a company that the U.S. arrested the CFO of right. because they were uh, evading the embargo of Iran. Right. I don't know what to think about that. Right. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. they're using all these different parts from around the world. Expect more Chinese-made solar panels. Because Mike. we've given up. We had a chance to be the world leader I in the production. Being we. The Republicans <laughs> gave up. They were control. We didn't give up. Here right. in California, we're doing our best yeah. to snuff whatever the Republicans in the federal government are trying to impose on us. Right. Well, I think this is a great thing. A great. It's very important to be able to produce this a level of power for Europe. It is the thing that reminds me of what is happening to marijuana okay really? yeah i'll you tell you what smoke a solar panel i i'll tell you what it's a good thing that these are solar farms are expanding yeah. and they're getting more efficient and all those other things however like marijuana it used to be you knew a guy who knew a guy who grew it and you went out and bought it for yourself and you were contributing to an underground economy but nonetheless it was a very localized economic purchase now we're buying it from major companies. We'll be soon buying marijuana from Budweiser and R.J. Reynolds, right? Yeah, but not all around the world. So it, it, and not me. The analogy is solar panels should be on our homes. They should be in our backyards. They should be on our garages. Okay. Not in, in, or you're saying you the, can't grow your own anymore? I'm just saying... I don't like this idea, then. I, yeah, well, I'm saying it's a good thing in general that solar is being used and utilized more around the world. Yeah. That's a good thing. However, you and I have said this before. If they could meter the sun, everyone in the world would have solar panels on their house. Yeah. Right? Well, there's no reason why we shouldn't all have solar panels on our homes. And this is getting away from the idea that we bear some responsibility for having solar panels on our homes. Well, in California, in the year 2020... Right. Any new home will be required by law to have solar panels. So. Yeah. To me, it's great, but this is the R.J. Reynolds model when it should be the local pot dealer that you're dealing with model for solar panels. Solar power is now cheaper to produce than conventional power. And that's the most important thing no, it's great. this whole it's, story I'm right just, now. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing. Price is going down. We got to accept that and move in yeah. that direction yeah. instead of Absolutely. being like a Fox News grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you, Mahler. Yeah. I think Mahler just lays around all day. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. do a damn thing. He's like a president. Yeah. Meanwhile, gas hog heavy duty pickup truck pinheads. Yeah. You've seen them driving around. Yeah. yeah. Well, not all of them are pinheads. No. They're, but some of them are. Some of them are. I like the guys that actually use their heavy duty pickups to work. Yeah. You ever see someone like that? Yes. Yeah, there's a good guy. He's hauling stuff around. Right. Instead of these people that just jack them up and shine the bottom of them, you know, they have chrome <laughs> undersides <laughs> on these things. They don't even go off-road. No, 
What am I supposed to do? Just look at your underside? (laughs) Anyway, they're harassing EV drivers. Yeah. Heavy-duty pickup trucks block Tesla charging stations across the U.S. and North Carolina. And North Carolina. A a Tesla owner in Bristol, Tennessee, said they spotted a Dodge Ram truck blocking a charging spot with the charging cable attached to the bed like, ha-ha. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, These are children. These yeah. are immature idiots. In videos posted online, truck drivers bragged about blowing clouds or rolling coal on a Prius on the highway. So rolling coal, in case you're wondering, is when diesel vehicles modify their engines to dump excess fuel into the cylinders, and this creates excess exhaust. Smoke. Which, and... Yeah, it's a black, noxious cloud. Yes. And they think, I guess, that this is really funny. Yeah, yeah, that is sad. It's sad. You're right, Mahler. It's pathetic is what it is. Yes. Yeah. They're stopping people from recharging their cars. Wow. They feel offended. Yes. They're the snowflakes. Yes. They Anytime <laughs> someone's different than them, they get offended and have to express their offense at you. Someone told them that recharging your electric cars are European and socialists. Did they? I'm sure that's how this all got started. Are you kidding? It's elite. Elite. It's elite. It's Hollywood elite. Somebody told them. Mark Levin or Michael Savage or Sean Hannity told them this was European. So moronic. All copyrighted works. Everything. This is the big copyright dump. And I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, you should be. Because for the most part, copyrights the way they exist now suck. They used to have them, so they lasted about five years. So if you invented anything, you had a jump on everybody else to get your idea out there and make money. Seemed fair. And then five years later, everybody else could jump on. Because really, nobody comes up with an idea by themselves. They're building on other people's ideas. That's right. And they come with a breakthrough. Right. They shouldn't own a copyright forever. Anyway, copyrighted works published in 1923 fell into the public domain, with a few exceptions. There's about 50,000 of these. Yeah. Everyone now has the right to republish these formerly copyrighted works or adapt them for use in new works. Okay. It's the first time this has happened in 21 years, and that's an interesting story right there. Yeah. In 1998, works published in 1922 or earlier were in the public domain, with 1923 works scheduled to be public in 1999. I think I remember this story. But then Congress passed the Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act. Uh Uh-huh. That's what happened. It added 20 years to the terms of older works, keeping 1923 works locked up until now, until 2019. Okay, uh, help me out. I think I know why. Is that Sonny Bono's a jerk? N- well, that part, yes, he was a tool. Yeah, but because Disney wanted uh, to hold go. on to Mickey Mouse was forever. That Steam, was, was it Steamboat Willie? It was probably what it was. Well, it was saying, any Mickey any Mouse Mickey. stuff. It okay. was Disney. It okay. was all the lobbying. That's what I thought yeah. from from Hollywood and mainly. Yeah, that was saying no, no, we can't do that. Yeah, we're yeah. giving up Snow White as if they invented Snow White. Right. That's are, the other, that irks yeah. me about this, is yeah. that Disney rips off all these characters from the past. Right. Cinderella and Snow White. Right. And then they have these strange copyrights for whatever they have. Yeah. Assuming Congress doesn't interfere, more works will fall into the public domain each January from now on. Robert Frost, Agatha Christie, Virginia Woolf, Cahill Gerbron, P.G. Woodhouse, D.H. Lawrence, 
Edith Wharton, Charlie Chaplin, Cecil B. DeMille, and Buster Keaton are now part of the public domain. Not everything, but parts of their works, you know, okay. the ones they created in 1923. Next January, George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, The Great Gatsby in 2021, and Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises in 2022. In 2024, we'll see the expiration of the copyright for Steamboat Willie. That's a few years off, so okay. you know Disney's going to be lobbying like crazy. <laughs> Just screw you, Disney. Exactly. Get over it. Exactly. It's a mouse. <laughs> and also, what you said at the top of this story, which is, it's not as if they haven't had a good run yeah. of making money off of it. A mouse with round ears. Right. Ooh. Right. <laughs> you know, I always loved Jonas Salk. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the polio, polio vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Vaccine, yeah. He just let it go. Yeah. He knew the value of what he had, and he let it go. He'd be a trillionaire. Yeah. He put yeah, Bill true. Gates to shame if right. he'd have held on to the polio vaccine. Uh, this just came up in a film I saw about insulin. Insulin has been copyrighted for decades and decades. And how many people could it have provided a better life for if it had been allowed to go into the public sector, into the public domain, for generic drugs? Yeah. Right? As a generic drug. Instead, it's still very expensive because there's three companies who have monopolized insulin for decades. Anywho, Mickey Mouse. It's kind of crazy the way uh, Mickey Mouse and, say, Batman... Uh, are going to be dealt with because there's different versions of the character. Mm. So we're only going to get the pre-white glove Mickey Mouse. Okay. The Steamboat Willie. Modern Mickey is still protected. So if you want to sell a Mickey toy with white gloves, you need to wait until 2025. Molly, got anything to say about this? Yeah. Yeah. When when does... Yeah? Yeah. When does Mahler's copyright come for? (laughs) He's completely copyright protected. (laughs) Mainly because he said he'll chew on anybody. (laughs) You know, that does anything. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, that's right. He's got a a kick-ass attorney, too. So, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Well, screw you, too, Mahler. Jeez. An audio recording of Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Of one of his performances was posted on YouTube where he used school shootings as a joke. And uh, woke people got really upset about this. I bet they did. Yeah. yeah. Humor in general can be jarring sometimes. Yes, it can. Yeah. There's a, a sketch in Faulty Towers. Okay. Where Basil asks these people who come into his hotel, you know, how their daughter is. And they say, well, she died. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So... The point isn't that he's making fun of the daughter. Right. He's making fun of himself. Right. Because yeah. he does something extraordinarily uncomfortable to people. Yeah. When he wants to be welcoming to them. Yes. And that's the whole point of a lot of humor. Yes. Is, is to make people feel uncomfortable, which apparently Louis C.K. accomplished. Well, Louis C.K. has built his entire career as a comedian and making you feel uncomfortable making you feel uncomfortable yeah. if you've ever watched louis ck that's right he's always dealt in touchy subjects extremely touchy subjects yeah. taboo subjects really and for a, a lot of his career has been that his television show dealt with a, a lot of t- a wonderful show yeah, absolutely. An absolutely brilliant show <laughs> right louis said kids should be doing mushroom and shite like he did when he was young uh, okay well yeah okay yeah. he said this in a joke yes He said he had looked forward to seeing a new crazy generation 
but was disappointed with the seriousness of the new generation. Okay. He said this in a joke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what are you doing? You should be crazy, unhinged, not in a suit saying, I'm here to tell you. Yeah. yeah. This is a joke. Right. Louis also used trans and non-binary people as subjects of jokes. He made fun of how precious they are about how they should be addressed. Yeah. Louis also had a laugh with the political correctness of the word retarded. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do I. I've said this before. Yeah, you have. Re- I, and I'll say it again. Yeah. Retarded means slow. Yeah. Okay, that's what retarded means. Yeah. Challenged means it's difficult for you. Yeah. When there's a challenge, there's a degree of difficulty. Right. When you're retarded, you're just doing it slow. Yeah. What would you rather be, challenged or slow? Right. I think I'd rather do something slow. This is the thing. This is what comedians do. I'm going to defend Louis C.K. because, first of all, I think I appreciate the f- that you're complicit. That you're complicit. I am complicit. woke behavior. All right. Because comed- this is their job. Nathan and I have talked about this on the air before. I believe that comedians have a rich tradition of making people uncomfortable. It oh, is yeah. the origins of comedy is to make people, not all comedy, I'm not talking, you know, I George. I think all comedy to some degree. To some degree. I was going to say, I would go back to the very origins of what I consider to be stand-up comedy. It originated with the court jester standing in front of the king, telling him uncomfortable truths in a funny way, speaking truth to power, making people uncomfortable, bringing up things that we all share in some manner speaking degrees of wokeness but pointing out that not everybody is on the same page is not an offense against humanity it's not we live in a world where people are now essentially manufacturing reasons to be offended and then claiming that somehow some way that this is a transgression that warrants some kind of punishment that's not what comedians are about if you don't want that then turn it off don't watch it. Don't listen to it. I have some issues with Louis's personal behavior and it, the power dynamic involved in all that. I get it. But when you're talking about somebody who's going to work doing what he does, you cannot say you're offended. If you went well, you in there, can say you're offended. I mean, but you who cares? Yeah, I'm yeah. not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not with it's, you. It's a joke. I'm not with you. Well, it reminds me of the Gilbert Gottfried thing. Right. In 9/11, he's up there talking to people. It's a fundraiser a few weeks after 9-11 and he said he couldn't catch a non-stop flight from New York to LA they all had stopovers in the side of the Empire State yeah, Building yeah, and people yeah. were screaming too soon Yeah, and thank God somebody's going to break that sh- barrier yeah, right somebody's going to do it yeah. yeah at some point Right. Yeah, he was just saying, at that point, he, he went into the aristocrats. So that's what you, the, right. uh, that he went into the most foul joke Every comedian tells this joke. It's considered to be the most offensive joke yeah. ever. But they don't tell it on stage. But they, they do it backstage. They, they, it's a warm-up or a cool-down. And it's also, it's also a rite of passage for comedians <laughs> yeah. who do stand-up. To tell the I love the movie. Yeah. I think it's a great movie, The That's Aristocrats. Right. So, it's, and it's not about the incest that's involved. No. It's not about the things that you'll be offended about yeah. that's involved. It's about telling a story right. and using humor and trying to figure out how to tweak people yeah. and how to make them gut laugh. Yes, yeah. yes. Whew. That's a hard joke to tell. Yeah. If you can tell it, you're a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> or Mahler. Or yeah. Mahler. Speaking of 9-11, yeah. yes. Saudi Arabia yeah. is outsourcing its war in Yemen to be fought by child soldiers from Sudan. 
The Saudis are bankrolling a militia of Sudanese fighters, many of them children, to fight on the front lines against Yemen's Houthi rebels, insulating the kingdom from casualties and the political blowback they could cause. Many of these Sudanese fighters come from the region of Darfur, where violent conflict consumed the countryside for more than a decade. The conditions in Yemen are already bleak. The war there, led by Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, has claimed the lives of 50,000 people and caused a massive humanitarian crisis with 12 million people on the brink of starvation and in a desperate need of assistance. Some families in Sudan are so desperate for money from Riyadh, they bribe militia officers to allow their children to fight Saudi Arabia denied employing child soldiers, but minors make up anywhere from 20% to 40% of Sudanese fighters in a unit. Wow. And we're doing nothing really about no, no, it. No, this we, is despicable. We, we kind of threw something out there, like we're not going to sell fuel to the Saudis right, right. for their bombing, but nevertheless, we're doing nothing about it. No, no, this. we're not. This is despicable. If, if First of all, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is already one of the most repressive regimes in the entire world. People are beheaded every Wednesday in a stadium in communities around Saudi Arabia. This is their idea of keeping people under control. Yeah. And we are complicit in what's happening. And in, have in, been for a long and time. And have been for a long time. And the use of children to fight your war, again, another level of repugnant behavior that is hard to really qualify. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9. On our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter at KUCI FM. Stream us live on iTunes. Go to Internet, College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This month. A seven-year-old Guatemalan girl died less than 48 hours after being detained at a remote New Mexico border crossing, and an eight-year-old Guatemalan boy spent his final days in custody before dying on Christmas Eve. U.S. Department of Homeland Security officials have been quick to deflect the blame, but one thing is clear, the journey these children undertook is designed to be deadly. Our government has made it deadly for them. In the 1990s, Bill Clinton introduced... Prevention through deterrence, a border security policy which closed off established migrant routes. This forces migrants through dangerous terrain. Those who survive face significant health risks if they are not immediately granted medical treatment. But right now, they show up, and the only way we have to communicate with them is not in their language. Right. So they don't even know what it is they're being asked. We also rely on self-assessment. So if they don't know that they're dehydrated right. and that this may be dangerous, right. they're not going to say I anything. I don't know if I would know I was dehydrated, right? Yeah. But yeah. I at least could speak a language that you could say, you need to see a doctor. Yeah. Come on. The immigrant advocacy group, No More Death, charges the U.S. Border Patrol uses the desert as a weapon. Armed with night vision equipment, Border Patrol agents chase migrants blindly into hostile terrain. Areas where they're going to fall to their deaths or get hopelessly lost. Hundreds disappear each year. Their remains too decomposed to even identify. Prevention through deterrence, that's the Clinton plan, has done little to curb migration, but it has led to an explosion in needless suffering. Last year, 412 deaths were documented in the region. 
That's why it's so important to build a wall, Mike. Yes. Because we yeah. need to dehydrate gang members. <laughs> we need border security. And everyone knows you can't have border security without a wall. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's our president speaking. And, and, yeah. yeah, and by the way, lest you think we're exaggerating, the border agents have been... I mean, I'm sure there's some very good border agents who are true, yeah. caring, and concerned people. However, we've seen video of these guys kicking over water left behind by groups like the one you just described, yeah. right? no more deaths. No more deaths. Literally so that these people at least will survive the journey. Yeah. And then once we, they get to the border, then we can make a determination about it. But we're forcing them into situations that will put them at peril. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, New York University's Brennan Center for Justice found that San Diego had both the lowest murder rate and overall violent crime rate of the 30 largest American cities in 2018. San Diego is poised to end 2018 with two murders per 100,000 residents compared to 23 per 100,000 in Indianapolis and 52 per 100,000 in Baltimore. This means that residents in Indianapolis are 12 times more likely to be murdered than in San Diego, and residents of Baltimore are 27 times more likely to be murdered. So we should build walls around Indianapolis and Baltimore is what I'm thinking. It's all right. There's another Texas town that, uh, there's a town in Texas that, uh, a significant city that has one of the lowest murder rates, crime rates in the country, yeah. right across the, literally, there's a bridge between yeah. the, the border and the Mexican border. Yeah. Nearly 40 people who either responded to or lived and worked near the Twin Towers when terrorists brought them down 18 years ago have died from 9-11-related illness since September. At the same time, increasing numbers of victims suffering from the toxic effects of the terror attacks and the recovery effort at Ground Zero are applying for compensation from the federal September 11th Victim Compensation Fund, to offer treatment and living expenses. By the end of November, 41,729 compensation eligibility claims were filed with the Victim Compensation Fund. That's 3,000 more since the end of August, or 1,000 every month. This is something that happened almost 20 years ago. Right. And we're still paying for Right. For the effects well, there have been that. multiple attempts on the part of the Republicans to cut the funding off yeah. of this. The 7.3 billion-dollar victim compensation fund is set to expire in 2020, but so many victims have been requesting compensation, there are concerns the fund will run out of money before the deadline. This February, the fund is expected to compensate for the expected short call by amending its award payouts so that newer people will get less money than people who have been in it longer with the same illness. It's estimated that 90,000 first responders showed up at the World Trade Center in the aftermath of 9-11. An additional 400,000 survivors lived and worked in the area at the time. Yeah. And more than 180 New York Fire Department employees have died of illnesses from the toxic dust at Ground Zero since the terror attack when 343 members of the department were killed. These are kind of downer stories, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) Can we uh, liven it up here a little bit? Uh, You want to do that, Mahler? Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. tired of this. (laughs) The U.S. and China are in a big fight over small robots. Yes. While the U.S. military builds out a robot support force and debates how much autonomy these robots should be given, China and Russia, they don't care. No. No. 
They're godless communists. Yeah. At stake is a contract worth about a half a billion dollars for 3,000 backpack-sized robots that can defuse bombs and scout enemy positions. The Chinese and the Russians don't care if they have any control over these. Right. They just build a brain into it, and whatever it does yeah. is, is okay with them. It's okay with them, yeah. And I think we're right. You can't just have a bunch of robots running around on their own. Right. <laughs> That's right. crazy. Especially if they're weaponized. Or if they can dissemble things. Is there a Geneva Convention for robotic behavior? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking. I, I, I don't, don't, yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Is, I, mean, is there, I don't know of it. Yeah. We're not even to that stage yet. Right. But will there be? Will yeah. there be like limits to this? Because the robots that I assume will not be sentient and make moral decisions based on the information in front of them, they're going to carry out their prime directive, whatever that might be. Hours after a space probe from China made the first landing on the far side of the moon, sending images of its surroundings back to Earth, the spacecraft deployed a rover to take some more photographs and scan the surface of the moon's far side. This is China. Yeah. And they're doing that. They're pretty excited. They are. Although they're downplaying it. I'm sure there are folks in China, the scientists that put this thing together, are jazzed about it's it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. They're really. This is a story that in normal times would be a big deal. Yeah. If the country wasn't being run by an Adderall-snorting idiot, we would actually be paying attention to this stuff. China hopes to establish a lunar base that could not only provide natural resources to send back to Earth... Yeah. but also serve as a launching pad for further exploration. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be less gravity on the moon, so the takeoff, you know, you wouldn't yeah. need as big of a boost to get going. Mm-hmm. To overcome the challenge of communicating from the moon's far side, China previously launched a satellite called Chachao, or Magpie Bridge. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It now <laughs> orbits beyond the moon as a relay for transmissions to and from the Mission Control Center on the outskirts of Beijing. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Good for the Chinese. Yeah, my hat's off to the Chinese. Yeah, really. Big bark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. And finally, an American bald eagle named Clark released in a ceremony before the Cotton Bowl game between Clemson and Notre Dame circled the stadium several times and then, instead of going back to his handlers, landed on the arm of Tuen Nguyen, <laughs> a Vietnamese refugee who worked as a carpenter on the Notre Dame campus. Clark the Eagle perched on the refugee's arm for several minutes. Said Nguyen, he looked pretty tired. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.